Welcome, everybody, to the Friday Night Flight, part of the Every Morning Quarterback brand, and it's week one of the NFL season. You can tell by the screen graphics, the Jets start their season against the Baltimore Ravens. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to break down in depth this matchup against the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets. We're going to take a look at the coordinator matchup between a battle of the mics. We're going to drop the mic. We got Mike LaFleur against Mike McDonald, a guy I know pretty well from my Michigan fandom. So we're going to dive deep into that matchup, talk about who's the player to watch this Sunday, break down some of the gambling stuff that goes along with this game. We got a stealth spotlight for you, and we got the return of the New York Minute. All that's coming up on Friday Night Flight. As I mentioned, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, including the coordinator matchup. But we're going to start there. Tonight's opening monologue is all about the coordinators. I mentioned we're going to drop the mic because we got two fascinating guys leading the helm for the offense of the New York Jets and the defense of the Baltimore Ravens. And it, the reason I say it's a fascinating matchup is because both guys are young. They're coming up into their prime. They've experienced a little bit of that success. And I think both men are the key to their team's victory on Sunday. Now, to break this matchup down, we're going to kind of go guy by guy. And we're going to start with Mike McDonald because Mike McDonald was on the Baltimore Ravens staff. He was he was actually a uh, position coach for quite a while. And then he moved to the University of Michigan to join forces with the other Haba. Now, why this is fascinating is because he lasted there for a couple of years, and then he came back to the Baltimore Ravens. It's almost as if the Michigan job was there to just prime him and get him ready for what ultimately was his seat as the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. Now, we can easily look at stuff that happened at Michigan under the Mike McDonald scheme to figure out what we're going to see on Sunday. Mike McDonald is not going to be showing you the same stuff that we've seen out of the Wink Martindale defense and that's important for the new york jets if they're looking at film they need to look at the michigan film at michigan aiden hutchinson blossomed big time into one of the country's most dominant pass rushers earned him the top two spot in the nfl draft all because mike mcdonald recognized the strength of his players and he moved him from a down lineman to a stand-up dn mike mcdonald prefers in his scheme to keep quarterbacks off balance by showing the blitz a little less frequently than we maybe have seen in the Wink Martindale scheme. And he likes to mix up zone and man-to-man coverage in the back end. When the Ravens blitzed last season, they often didn't even get a sack or even quarterback pressure. And that's what really led to a lot of the Baltimore slide last season. Yes, Lamar was hurt, but Huntley still balled out. The only problem was is Huntley couldn't ball out enough to keep them in games or they're giving up 30 to 35 points. And it's because they weren't getting quarterback pressure, which leaves you vulnerable in the secondary. If you look at the Michigan team, the Mike McDonald was the lead. The Wolverines finished with 34 sacks last year, almost two and a half per, per game. 
but their blitz rate fell under Mike McDonald to 30%. So they were getting this pressure without the blitz. Sometimes blitzes even seemed like they didn't even need to do it. Of the 14 sacks that Michigan had in the late season wins, that's so, so we're talking to Michigan State, and Penn State, and Ohio State, and Iowa, only 12 came on four-man rushes. So 12 of the 14 came on four-man rushes. Only two came on five-man package pressures. That's key to know because Baltimore has been known as a very blitz-heavy team. And actually, a couple weeks ago, people were talking about, well, you know, the Jets are going to see a lot of a lot of success against Mike McDonald because of how Flacco is against the blitz last season. But I think we're going to see a little bit different of a Baltimore defense under Mike McDonald. He doesn't like the blitz as much. In Baltimore, how McDonald utilizes versatile defensive players like you got you got your Oways and your Tyus Bowsers, you got your Patrick Queens, your Marlon Humphreys. It'll be interesting because we saw what he did at, at Michigan. He's very he's very in tune to what the Ravens have on their roster from his previous stint. And if he thinks that maybe there's some skill there, there's some maybe some positional changes, some ways that he could use a guy a little bit differently than Wink Martindale, this is his chance. But staring across the sideline is Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur is he's the future of where NFL coaching is going. You see the Sean McVeighs and the Zach Taylors, the Josh McDaniels, the innovative, unpredictable offensive minds. Mike LaFleur is one of those guys, much like McVeigh, who understands the art of leverage. The Mike LaFleur offense is predicated upon keeping you off balance. He uses a combination of you know high percentage plays, very Bill Walsh-esque West Coast offense, high intermediate throws. And then he sprinkles in a little of that misdirection stuff, you know, from a lot of other Hall of Fame coaches have shown. He loves misdirection. He likes to show you one thing, get you thinking a play is going to look a certain way, and then switches it on you. The Mike LaFleur offense features a lot of pre-snap motion, play action fakes, play flow, misdirections, as I mentioned. I mean, there was even a couple times last year where multiple players touched the ball on the same play. He had a lot of throwbacks. He had a lot of, he even had a, a slant into a sideline throw to Braxton Berrios. He's into, he's into things that are misdirections. He likes the possibility of there being, you have to prepare for there being another option. And all it takes is one, one second, one second for somebody to overthink what's going to happen for the Mike LaFleur play calling to gain the leverage. And that's where this is going to get interesting because you have the Mike McDonald defense, which is predicated, as I mentioned, upon blitzing less and getting you off balance by showing a little bit of a multiple coverage sets behind four-man pressure. And Mike LaFleur is trying to do the same thing on offense by getting to you and keeping you off balance by showing you multiple packages. And Mike LaFleur, if we look at this New York Jets team, the biggest impact I think you can say is in the passing game. And even though the record was what it was last year, the passing, you can say, you can look at Zach Wilson's numbers and point to Mike LaFleur, but more players played under Mike LaFleur last year than just Zach Wilson. So if we factor in Mike White and Joe Flacco's numbers, 
the New York Jets ranked number 29 in the league in 2019 in passing, number 31 a year after. Michael Floor raised it to number 20 last year. That might not seem like a lot, okay? But he's getting the team out of the cellar because of his creativity. He's getting into a groove. When he went up in that booth, baby, it was magic. Booth of Floor was magic. He's shown the willingness to use a lot of con- he's a lot of a lot of condensed formations similar to Sean McVay in a lot of the dagger stuff that we've seen him use where you take the top off, throw guys under underneath that towards towards the va- you know towards the vacated coverage. What I really think is interesting in this game is that the Ravens are going to have to focus on getting to the offense first and not reacting to the moves of Mike LaFleur. You might think that it might pay dividends for the Baltimore Ravens to show more of like a vanilla D, you know, uh, approach because we don't know what Mike LaFleur is going to do. But the New York Jets offense is is not as worse as the numbers might have predicated. Yes, they were 22nd in DVOA last year. Great. And that factors in a lot of different things. But they easily have had the toughest schedule by the same measure, they faced a gauntlet of the defensive teams that were efficient. The Ravens weren't one of those. And there's a lot of injuries on the Baltimore side. Absolutely. Right? But now the chess match is going to be exciting. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Too much of a deal, I think, has been made out of the fact that Zach Wilson's not playing Sunday or in three weeks. I don't think it matters who's playing QB because Mike LaFleur proved last year that matter is irrelevant. Whomever lands the first haymaker in this game among the coordinators, they might just steal this thing. And that's the takeoff. So something to look forward to. Let's get right into the game preview here because, as I mentioned, it's a chess match. you got a lot of stuff going on here with Mike LaFleur and with Mike McDonald, but there's so much more to this game. So let's break it down right now. Let's get into the preview. Baltimore is seven-point favorites. Okay, Baltimore is seven-point favorites. Dwayne Brown is now inactive. Holy cow, what's going on in the New York Jets tackle situation? Max Mitchell, a rookie. It's going to be starting at right tackle. George George Fant, I think they resurrected a statue when he willingly switched from left to right tackle after he was promised left. Now he's back at left tackle. Statue stays up. Going to build him another one. A double, uh, Just a double Fant statue. Uh, but it's it's amazing what's going on. you got a better chance of probably walking out of an army like hammer dinner than you do not landing on the injured list of the New York Jets tackles. I mean, it is amazing how much they get just decimated. And that number seven is really interesting to me. The number was seven before Dwayne Brown got injured. I don't know if that's going to jump in the next couple of days, but it's really interesting to me. And it's because of what I already went over. And over under is 44 and a half. That's an interesting number as well. It seems pretty high um, for what we could see. A little bit of a defensive struggle early on. You know, with guys trying to feel each other out, land the first punch. Interesting stats here. Baltimore actually leads the all-time series uh, against the New York Jets, nine to two. They own a yeah, I know they own a four and one mark under John Harbaugh. So it's get looking a little even more gloom and doom here. The Ravens are three and two in the games at New York. 
one and one under Jim. I'm sorry, John. In Baltimore, opened the 2010 season at the Jets once before. That was the inaugural season of the new Jets MetLife Stadium, and they won 10 to nine on Monday Night Football. So there's a bit of a history here. Then you got the Lamar Jackson monster on opening days. And I don't think people are quite aware. Maybe it slips people's minds. It's, you know, that just that like recency bias of all this kind of Lamar Jackson trashing that I've seen this offseason, which I don't get. Lamar Jackson on opening days is a monster. He's a freak. In regular season openers in his career, he's got nine touchdown passes, zero picks, and a 150.2 rating in three career starts. It's insane. Who can forget when he shredded the, the uh, Dolphins just a few years ago? So if the goal for the Ravens is the defensive side, they want to see something different under Mike McDonald, create more turnovers and get more sacks. That's why they got rid of Don Martindale and brought in Mike. Look for them to play a little more discipline and disguise the blitz in this game. And the Ravens have traditionally started out fast in these games, getting the offense a big lead early or getting the defense a big lead early and letting them settle in. Since 2019, the Ravens have outscored opponents on week one, plus 75. 124 to 49, plus 75. It's going to be an uphill climb for the New York Jets this Sunday. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. On defense... The Jets' defensive line, I think, is way ahead of the Baltimore Ravens on the defensive line. Granted, the Ravens are designed more to get pressure through scheme. The Jets are built up front this season to get pressure flat out with four or five guys rushing from the front. Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clem- Michael Michael Clemens is he's a he's a he's a registered murderer. He's <laughs> There's going to be a game this season where Michael Clemens is going to be wanted for just homicide. Could be this weekend. So good luck blocking those five guys, Solomon Thomas, Sheldon Rankins. They're so deep on that D-line. That's going to be key in this game because if the Jets don't have to send extra pressure, besides an occasional run blitz, which we know is part of the cover three bail, that's going to really help out because against a guy like Lamar Jackson, Blitzing isn't always the answer, especially how he can kind of escape the pocket and start to create for stuff down the field. I think the key, we're going to get into the, to the main keys of this game, but something I'm looking for in this game, New York Jets fans, is just a, that new culture, the new era that we've been talking about, that we've been promised. I want to see it. I want to see it. So many years we hear about the culture's changing. And then we lose 31-10 on opening day. The Ravens, Ravens overall team awareness and the fact that they're so stable as a franchise is what makes them the favorites for this game. You look on paper, and I don't think I'm being a homer. You look on paper, these rosters are very comparable. The quarterback position, obviously an edge towards Baltimore. Tight end positions, an edge towards Baltimore. You know, some pieces on the O-line now that Dwayne Brown's out, maybe an et- but all in all, the Jets have just as much talent. And I haven't said that for a very long time. They have just as much talent on this roster than do the Baltimore Ravens. But I mentioned a couple weeks ago on this show that I'm worried about the Sala 
Solomon men mentality on defense. And I, we're going to find out in this game right away as both coordinators are trading punches is what is Robert Sala going to do? That cover three Seattle defense, the press bail. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's not unbeatable. And in fact, it's pretty uh, predictable in terms of, you know, where to beat it. It's you got to beat it in the flats, right? People who have tried to replicate this Pete Carroll, Seattle defense, it's only worked a couple times. Sala did it well in San Francisco. Gus Bradley did it well in Jacksonville, but he had talent. So we're looking at this and you got to beat it in the flats. And that requires patience. And this is, you're going to hear me kind of talk myself into the Jets here, but this is where this is going to require patience on the Baltimore Ravens side. And the Baltimore Ravens under the Lamar Jackson regime have not been the most patient of offenses. It's the, we already know the tried ways, the, the tested ways to attack the Jets defense is in the flats, especially with receivers out of the backfield. So keep an eye on maybe backup tight end, likely King Drake, who's recently signed. Those guys could be a factor in this game, but that means that Lamar Jackson is going to have to take what's there. He's going to have to take what the defense gives him early too. And, and that's the only way that they're going to be able to manipulate the Jets' defense into that underneath stuff. And then if you can pepper the short completions, all of a sudden you get yards after the catch, missed tackles, they got to respect it, they begin to cheat up, they widen, and all of a sudden that's when you start to shred it. And we know that Lamar Jackson falls in love with, the, with those seam throws. So if you can get the Jets' defense to widen, those seams are going to be wide. Those seams, are, for lack of a better term, are going to be wide open. Okay. Also worthy of note on the other side of the ball, the Jets, if you look at their numbers last year, they stunk in the shotgun, which is interesting. You normally, other way around, quarterbacks seem to be better in the shotgun because they can read that defense pre-snap and they're not turning their back to it um, in a, than they are under center. But – the Jets weren't. The Jets were better under center. So while a lot of the Jets' plays might be in the shotgun, I think they're at their most dangerous when Flacco is going to be under center in this game. And that's going to be a, a big spot for Mike McDonald, who I mentioned likes to disguise blitzes and disguise coverage. When Joe Flacco turns his back on a possible play action, if the Baltimore Ravens can change the picture – that Joe Flacco is seeing pre-snap, post-snap, and especially in those turn-your-back situations, that's when the Ravens can probably get to the New York Jets offense, and that's when you can counterpunch a Mike LaFleur who's looking to keep you off balance. That Mike McDonald defense that I talked about at Michigan, it was very too high shell, right? But if they can rotate into covering the middle of that field, closing it off, dropping the quarters, throwing a blitz in, I think it's a good weapon for the Baltimore Ravens in this game. Because as I said, schemes like Mike LaFleur's are predicated on him dictating the, the play to the defense. But there's ways you can turn the table on that. Um, so with all that said, I got four keys to this game. I got four keys. I think, one, you got to keep the Ravens' defense off balance early. Mike LaFleur needs to throw the first punch. And I don't know what that's going to look like, how you do that. Um, the Ravens' defense, the style of defense that, that Mike O'Donnell plays, those gaps 
are going to be open in the run game if you can get the zone towards the outside. Maybe Brees Hall's a factor. But I know Mike's got some creativity up his sleeve. He's had time to plan. So that's something to look forward to in this game. Keep the Ravens' defense off balance early. Keep the crowd in the game, right? Don't go down 10 nothing in the first quarter. Keep that MetLife crowd. It's going to be rocking. Keep them in the game. Number two, force predictability by Lamar Jackson. I think that's a key in any game against Lamar Jackson. Force the predictability. I mentioned about how he's got to take what the defense gives him. But a lot of times, Lamar gets a little anxious. and He wants to throw at those seam balls. He loves the seams. But as a defense, if you can bait Lamar into throws, he will give them to you. He'll stare down a read. He'll make it very obvious where he's going with that football before he does it. You can – doesn't have to be the passing game. You can force the predictability of Lamar running the ball, and then you can inflict some pain on that. Okay? That's when Michael Clemens comes into play. Number three, the linebackers reacting to play action. I mentioned on this show a couple weeks ago that the linebackers are still the big question mark for me on this team, that in the free, that in the free safety position. Uh, but especially in that defense that Salah likes to like to play, it puts a lot of onus on the linebackers to run blitz, to backpedal on play actions, to cover the flats. So if the linebackers are ready to play and Quan Alexander comes ready to play, and yeah, actually Quincy Williams is maybe our best backer in actual coverage situations, look for a heavy dose of Quincy on a guy like Mark Andrews. That's going to be key. They need to recover well. If they're getting beat over the over the top of the linebacker's head, it's going to be a long afternoon. That means seams are wide open. That means the Ravens are living in what they want to do. And that means it's a long afternoon. That means we're not making Lamar into a predictable quarterback. And number four, uh, with, the, with the news of Dwayne Brown being out, we got Max Mitchell, a rookie, starting at left tackle. Um, and as I mentioned, it's just – it's going to be interesting, Okay. The heat off Mitchell can happen if you just let the playmakers make the plays. And what I mean by that is not letting Flacco stand in the pocket for an hour trying to get multiple route concepts going. Let the playmakers make plays. Get the ball quick into Barrios's hands, quick into Elijah Moore's hands. Get the ball to Brees Hall and Michael Carter, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson. Look at all these playmakers, Conklin, CJ. Get the ball into their hands and let them make plays with runs and yards after the catch. So those are my four keys to the game. So you all probably want a prediction right now. You Maybe I'm talking myself into it. But I, I keep going over this and I keep thinking on paper. You went all, We went through all those stats on the Baltimore Ravens on opening weekend. By those metrics... This is going to be a bloodbath. This is like the red wedding by those metrics. But I can't help but feel it's not going to be that way. And it's not because I'm a New York Jets fan, right? Because those who know me know me pretty well, and I'm pretty objective. When I pick games, boy, I rarely pick the Jets unless I really feel it. And in this game, man, it, it's the anniversary of September 11th. 
there's going to be emotions running high in New York. Flacco playing against his former team. There's an emotional component. And I never underestimate, when I'm picking upsets, I never underestimate the human element. On paper, most games, yeah, yeah, that, that team's easily going to win. But there's a human element to this stuff. And I really feel like there's going to be the emotional edge, I think, is going to be on New York's sideline. Regardless of some injuries that have happened, Baltimore's got a lot of guys coming back from injury that haven't played in a very long time. Let's keep that in mind. I think what I mentioned are those keys to the game. I think you might get some Baltimore rests. I think you might get a Mike LaFleur game that we've all been waiting for, showing off a lot of the new toys and keeping people off balance. And one guy that I think it starts with is our all-gas gamer. So my all-gas gamer for this week, a guy to watch, is, is Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, folks. This guy, last year, I mean, he talked about a guy who loves Joe, who loves Joe Flacco. Last year, in the game that Joe Flacco started against the Miami Dolphins, Elijah Moore had his best game of the season. Eight catches, 141, and a touchdown. In the preseason, we've only, we've only seen highlights of Flacco dropping dimes to Elijah Moore. He loves them. He floats it in so perfectly. Flacco, in the game that he's played for the New York Jets last five times, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, He's done well. Nine touchdowns and three picks. I think the air assault could be there in this in this game. If you let the playmakers make plays, look for Elijah Moore. He seems to be a favorite target of Joe Douglas. And actually, Joe Flacco even spoke a little bit about how he thinks this team is looking heading into this game Sunday. You've seen a lot in your career, obviously. This is a team that has not done a lot of winning. You win three in the preseason. And just in totality, when you look at this team kind of from 30,000 feet, after camp assess it for us and how good it feels collectively heading towards week one yeah well i think we're a team that has a lot of energy going into week one um obviously i don't think the ones have gone out there and been able to play a ton but um just the team as a whole like i said i think we have a lot of positive energy guys are upbeat and just feel really good about where we're going so it's our job at this point to just keep that rolling you gotta love it the jets have energy the jets are coming into this game with Nothing to lose. Everybody's on the Ravens. I wish I saved the, the one graphic I had of NFL Network. Like 20 people picked the Ravens in blowouts. One guy picked the Jets. Daniel Jeremiah. I see you, Daniel. I see you, boy. And I don't. Here's where I'm leaning. Over, under. I actually like the over in this game. I think it starts off slow, but I think it, it does catch 44 and a half. I think it catches it late. And I think. I think the Jets win this game. 27-24 Jets is my prediction for this game. I think they steal one here against Baltimore. The Flacco revenge game, emotions high. Um, New York needs this. New York wants this. And I think Jordan Whitehead sums it up the best of why, no matter the injuries, I'm sticking with this team. Honestly, I just – we had the pieces. We had, um, like, every position group got them dogs on the team, and we have a lot of depth. So when I say, like, this team could be great and we could really be great, and it's just about, um, you know, being consistent every day. And I've I seen that in camp from all of us, just consistency. And then um, going into preseason, you know, it's it's 3-0 and record. That doesn't count anymore. But, you know, we we know what we're um, capable of doing. We know that all that hard work that we put in, it shows off, and that showed in preseason. We got that. We got those dogs at every single position. It's not just Zach. We got those dogs, baby. 
I like this team. I like this energy. 27-24 Jets is my final prediction for this game. I think we get one. And if we're looking at some other saucy predictions for this game going into Sunday, let's take a look. Uh, I think, you know, you're, you're mild here. I think Corey Davis finds the end zone. Kind of the, kind of the forgotten guy amongst the Jets wideouts. Um, but last year he had two touchdowns on opening day. I think Corey Davis finds the end zone in this one. My uh, medium, maybe spicy take, I think that the New York Jets, I think that front four, that front five, I think they're going to hold the Ravens to less than 100 yards rushing. I think they're going to have something ready to bottle up Lamar. And I think the, the Ravens know the only way to beat this team might be to hit the flats through the passing game. So I, I think they're going to see a lot, maybe less traditional running by the Baltimore Ravens in this game. And then my bold, fiery Taco Bell sauce prediction is I've read on some Ravens, you know, message boards and articles that the Ravens think the way you attack the Jets this Sunday is to throw at Sauce Gardner. That's disrespectful. You're going to find out if you throw at Sauce Gardner, there's a reason why people don't. He has skill. He has the talent. He can key is the speed and the length to match up with a lot of different size guys. And I'm looking at the Ravens wideouts of the Batemans and the Duvernays and recently signed to, to Marcus Robinson. Sauce is fine in those matchups. So I think I think Sauce Gardner is going to get a pick in this game and four pass breakups because I think they're going to throw at him. I think they're going to I think they're going to test him. And please do. That's all I got to say about that. Please do. So that's what I got for the Ravens and the Jets preview. 27-24 Jets. Should be a fun one. And even if the Jets lose, I'm not jumping. I'm not jumping. We got three more games against the AFC North to get ourselves right. We got to walk out of this four-game gauntlet, two to two and two or three and one, um, for us to have a chance this season to do something special. Okay? Time for our stealth spotlight. Uh, and I wanted to stick with the Ravens-Jets theme we got going on tonight. So I picked a former Jet who's one of my favorites personally. Got his jersey hanging in the closet. He's a former Raven. He came over with Rex Ryan. I'm talking Jim Leonard. I'm talking Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard was such a great addition to those mid-2000s, 2009, 2010, 2011 Jets. Uh, when he signed with the New York Jets, coming over with Rex Ryan – I remember how happy I was because I thought we got a defensive leader. And during the 2009 season, he started all 16 games, 60 tackles, you know, a handful of sacks, some picks, some passes broken up, fourth fumble. He did everything. I remember even on that playoff run, he had the big, big force fumble against the, the Chargers. He had a big game-sealing pick. He helped the Jets get to that AFC Championship game. Uh, and it was just such a fun time to be a New York Jets fan, watching the passion – that Jim Leonard played with even for a guy, his size, he just had such toughness. It's too bad. It's a shame that the injuries really got to him. I mean, some pretty big major injuries happened in 2010 and 2011. that kind of derailed his New York jets um, tenure still got 12, 13 games, both of those seasons. Um, but a big Jim Leonard fan. So I give Jim Leonard the nod in this week's stealth spotlight. Oh man. We all know what time it is. It's time for the New York Minute. It is one of my favorite times 
of the show, I try to get in all I can, facts and figures about the New York Jets that revolve around a certain number. And for this show, we are going with the number four. The number four. Okay, here we go. Who's ready? One minute begins now. Remember this guy, Brett Favre? Stokes think they would have won the Super Bowl if he didn't get hurt. The Jets have had the fourth pick in the NFL draft more than any other pick number in their team history. They've had it seven times. In the year 2000, Jets had a team record four first-round picks. It worked out nicely. Pennington, Sean Ellis, among others. In 2016, Christian Hackenberg was the fourth QB off the board. I would like to burn that slide. Famous option pass game-winning touchdown in week four against Tampa to complete the comeback. Wayne Corbett from Curtis Martin. They won by four points. Longest play in team history, Joe McKnight, 107, kick return, week four of 2011. Wesley Walker went berserk against Miami for four touchdowns. It's 1968 AFL championship win versus the Raiders to send them to the guarantee. The rest is history. They won that game by four points. Late Namath to Maynard touchdown. Speaking of Super Bowl three, the only touchdown that happened in that game for the New York Jets was by Matt Snell from the four-yard line. You got it. Of the top 10 single-season rushing performances in team history, only four do not belong to Curtis Martin. Miami Miracle. Everyone remembers the Miami, the, the Miami Miracle comeback. The Jets trailed 30-7 to entering the fourth quarter. They tied the game with four minutes left. And that is your New York Minute. I think that was the best one I got, closest to the minute. That was awesome. So that is it for the Friday night flight tonight. Big game, Jets-Ravens Sunday, 1 p.m. on CBS, kickoff of the NFL season. This is the most psyched New York Jets fans have been in probably six years for something special to happen. And we want it to happen so badly Sunday. And I'm wishing, I'm willing it to happen. And I think I gave you the rundown. I think on paper it could. And I'm sticking with it. Jets 27, Ravens 24. I like the upset in this game. Uh, and if there's one reason to think that the match, that the stuff on paper doesn't matter with this New York Jets team, let's see what Robert Salas says about the team's team's men mentality heading into every game this Sunday. So I'm uh, everyone knows I'm, I kind of have an infatuation with the Navy SEALs. I just a lot of respect for them, and uh, you know they they talk about fighter uh, fight or flight. Uh, everybody's fight or flight doesn't kick in until you've uh, achieved 40% of what you're capable of. And uh, everyone's 40% is different. So when you're on the field and you feel like you've gone far enough, you've only accessed 40% of what you're capable of and you got 60% more. And to get into it, you've got to go to a dark place. And the darker you get, the more you'll access. So. I, I know I was ripping on his defense a couple weeks ago. I love this guy, man. I love Robert Sala. That's right. You got to go into the darkness. The Ravens, the Ravens want to go to, they want to get into the darkness with this New York Jets team. You're going to get more the darker you get. And that's why I'm loving this Jets team. I think we have a chance this year to be better than we have been. Welcome to the darkness, my old friend Ravens. Joe Flacco's waiting for you. Visit emqpodcast.com for more on the Every Morning Quarterback. Join us tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and on Twitter, at EMQ Podcast. I'll be joining the rest of the guys to break down week one of the NFL season um, and catch Friday Night Flight every single Friday, previewing the Jets Sunday. 
at 8 p.m. on YouTube, everyone at quarterback, and at FNF underscore Jets. It's an amazing time waiting for this Sunday to happen. Emotions are going to be running high. And as I just said, welcome to the darkness, Ravens. Flacco's waiting for you. Thank you.